0: You're listening to The Podcast, where you can feast on all the information in the world of sports. Now, here's your host, Tommy Yu. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of The Dynasty Podcast. I know we have taken a little bit of a break, but hey, I've just been getting a little bit busy, which is kind of why I haven't been kind of chatting within Sleeper recently. But all our projects are underway. I know Darren's on my butt to ensure that I'm pulling through with a lot of the project promises I have. But thank you, Darren, actually. And I don't mean to throw shade at you. I, I genuinely actually mean thank you because I need you to kind of push me to kind of get through this rut. So I will be pumping things out. And, hey, this podcast could be a step in the right direction. So with all that being said, let's start with the appetizer. And, oh, my goodness, I think part of the reason why I'm burning out right now is because there's only two things that have been, I guess, on top of the NFL sports news world for, like, the past – three months i feel like and it's just well minus the draft and all that of course but like so when i look at it i'm like oh my god are they really still talking about this so i guess it's just me being old and getting annoyed there but uh everyone's been talking about julio and i think it's pretty much a done deal he's not he's not gonna be back in atlanta right are we at least in agreement there
1: yeah I, i mean i think so i mean i can't see him going back there if he so i think the uh what's the show called with skipping shannon like it's not first take it's like second oh, take or whatever whatever no, it's no one
0: knows this is just the crappy <laughs> the the
1: the first take knockoff when he came on that <laughs> show and he was like just talking he was on like the yeah phone, I'm, right? I'm out of there
0: yeah I think
1: it was planned like I think he knew it was like he I I think that Shannon Sharp purposely called him because then after um it, I kind of I don't know if he watched the whole thing it kind of seemed like he knew after a certain point. So he like strategically went on there to like kind of light a fire under him even though like I don't know how he didn't know that he wasn't going to get traded until June 1st regardless but he should have known that but um I think he's he's 100% he'll be on a different team like there's no if ands or buts about it it's just a matter of where he goes at this point.
0: Yeah, he he gone as the cool kids would say it. And so if he is indeed gone out of Atlanta Where do you think would be his best landing spot in your opinion?
1: Um, So, for me, um, might be a little bit biased, I guess, but I would say his best spot is the Patriots. Um, They need that. (laughs) They need that alpha, number one wide receiver. They already have Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith there. Um, So, adding in Julio Jones with. I, I mean I, I know he's best buds with cam newton but i don't know how long cam newton's gonna last i was gonna Maybe say if he goes to the patriots thing.
0: are you saying that would be the best landing spot because you believe in mccorkle or you actually think cam is gonna have a bounce back year
1: so i'm i think it'll be good for mccorkle because he would be like that kind of safety blanket that he can target 10 times a game and you know, he's going to, like, you know, he's going to feed the crap out of Excuse Julio me. They Jones. have
0: a phenom, Nelson Aguilar on that team. Are you kidding me? All right. Um, they, he got paid. He was like the first wide receiver that was signed at, when free agency opened up. And I was like, Bill, is that really what you're going for? But no, you're you're right though. Julio would get a lot of targets, but at the same time in my head, I'm like, well, they would be 10 Cam Newton targets. That is not worth as much as, you know, a lesser amount of targets on a better team. But mm-hmm. so you think, and let me try to put another lens over it. Do you think that would be the best landing spot because we are more fantasy focused because we cover the PDL and stuff like that. Do you mean this would be the best landing spot for him for, as like a real NFL team or like fantasy wise?
1: I, I think both. Like I think oh, fantasy okay. wise as well, just because like I think the amount of targets he would get with the Patriots because I think like the top three teams are probably like what the Patriots, the Titans, and the Chargers, because yeah. they don't want to trade them in the NFC. So it's got to be an AFC team, um, at least if what they're saying is true. Um, so that's got to be the top three teams. If he goes to the Chargers, he's got to compete with Keenan Allen, and he, who um, Justin Herbert already played with for a year, and Mike Williams, who, say what you will, he's going to get a couple targets a game. Um
0: Oh, he's just he going to jump 40 feet in the air, catch an unbelievable contested catch, <laughs> get hurt. fall 40 feet back onto the ground, break his spine, and he's out for the whole year. Like, that's his thing. Like, he is unbelievable, <laughs> but like, he just can't stay on the field. He's a gigantic human being, too. But yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. But I think the team that I feel like would be his best landing spot is uh, I was just on a podcast talking about this. Everyone is in Tennessee is fully convinced that Julio is pretty much already on the team, which I think is hilarious. And I know this is killing Max when he hears it, but I mean, it's the best fit. Like, what are you going to do when yeah. you are going up against a team who is notoriously known to run the ball down your throat a billion times a game with Derrick Henry. So you have to stack the box to stop that guy. He just had 2000 yards last season. And then you have an alpha named AJ Brown, who I feel like you have to double team, but he will just outmuscle you anyway. And if he just catches a short slant, he's, He's essentially Adrian Peterson, and he just like destroys everyone in his path. And then you're like, all right, crap. Well, at least they don't have a tight end anymore. And John is, oh well, oh, oh they got Julio now too. That's great. That's that's fantastic. And I know I don't want to make it seem like a meme, but yo, Tannehill can use his legs. Uh, we all know that he was a wide receiver in college, and he shows off his speed when he needs to. He just doesn't take off as like a first or second read. So. I think even fantasy-wise, a lot of people will be like, well, A.J. Brown and who will eat into each other? Well, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think they will both just be hyper-efficient. That's pretty much what A.J. Brown already was. He's just been hyper-efficient when he touches the ball. He reminds me a lot of, like, Alvin Kamara, except in a wide receiver form, at least, like, fantasy value-wise. Like, Alvin Kamara, before, he didn't get as many touches as you would want, but he was always really efficient with it, and that's how I always saw A.J. Brown. He wouldn't get a billion targets, but when he does get targeted and he does catch it, I know he had a little bit of a drop problem last year. He was a monster. So, I mean, if the Tennessee Titans want to go all in, which I absolutely think they should, uh, of course, they have to share up that defense stuff, but, I mean on adding julio jones arguably one of the best wide receivers right now even when you know at the age he is i feel like it's totally worth if i'm tennessee
1: yeah i I agree i think the efficiency wise like like if i'm julio jones um i know he he came out and well there's reports or whatever that he said he wanted to go to the new england to play with cam newton Mm um but None of these three landing spots, if you went to the Patriots, Titans, or Chargers, they're, none of them are bad. Like, they're all pretty good landing spots. Like, if he if he goes to um, Tennessee, he's going to be in a hyper-efficient offense. If he goes to San Diego or Los Angeles, he's going to be with um, Justin Herbert, like an up-and-coming young quarterback. And if he comes to New England, he's got target volume. There's a young quarterback there, too, and he has a coach that will know how to use him um, because they've been searching for that number one receiver since – Randy Moss
0: yeah and just to kind of keep everything going I think it's just going to be more interesting not where Julio ends up I am on the boat with you no matter where he goes he if he's on the field it's Julio Jones he averages like 95 and a half yards per game like he will get his I think what will be more interesting is how it will impact whatever team he lands on Uh, if he goes to New England well even if he's not there, I still don't really know how the distribution of targets is going to end up there regardless of who the quarterback is. But then, like you said, then Keenan Allen might be impacted or um, Mike Williams or anyone like that. And, of course, A.J. Brown would be impacted and maybe the whole offense changes a little bit in tennis. So it's really cool to kind of see what the domino effect will be. Uh, and I just want to keep things moving. Now let's talk about the other man that's been dominating the headlines that I'm so tired of seeing. But, hey, we have to talk about because it it's still going on. What do you think happens with uh, good old Mr. Rogers in Green Bay?
1: Well, I know the last time we talked about this, like, what, a month ago, um, I was pretty adamant that I think that he was going to get traded um, just because of the way that Rogers is. But apparently, Gunting Koontz or whatever the hell his name is, he's a a good maniacal maniac, and I don't think he's going to trade him. Um, I think it's either going to be he's going to be in Green Bay or he's going to be retired.
0: Remember Um, when I said I wanted to make a $5 fat bet with this and you said no? Yeah. You are so adamant. You're like, he's absolutely gone. I sat here. I was like, I can almost promise you he's not going to be traded. It makes literally no sense. And especially with how Gutenkist is and how he um, just, the way that he's perceived is like, he's just this big power hungry guy. So when another quarterback is trying to daddy dick you into doing something are you going to bend over? No, he's going to be like, nah, dude, I ain't trading. You just won MVP. We are not going to get the haul that we think we won for you. So if you, I'll call your bluff, dude. You you ain't going to go host Jeopardy. Jeopardy doesn't even want you because they had better hosts after you left, bro. Like you just either retire while you're still on top of your game or you play for us. And honestly, I've heard, once again, these are rumors uh, of them trying to restructure his contract. So uh, things get better but it's kind of funny because there's so much heat in the beginning and then little nuggets of news saying oh maybe their relationship is salvageable oh maybe it's just a contract to be i'm like okay yep here comes people backpedaling now but i'm in a very similar position as i was like a month ago when it first broke i was like, i was just looking at it from i guess more of an analytical point of view i was like yeah, it, it makes no sense. The only reason people are trying to make up these fantasy scenarios like, oh, well, Aaron Rodgers is super arrogant. Oh, Gutekus is super, har- blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right, these are just things you're saying. Like, honestly, think of, like, put yourself in Rodgers' shoes. You broke your butt for 16 years. You did everything you could for that. Um, you know, team. so I think the uh, analogy I used for the last podcast I was in is, Darren, yeah, pretend you're working for an employer for 16 years. You've been recognized one employee of the month and just one of the best in your field at that, whatever job title you're doing. And then, you know, like I said, you're doing 16 years, you're still on top of your game. And then your company then hires just a younger person of, of you, I guess, pretty much someone with the same job responsibilities. who's just younger and a lot cheaper than you. And you're kind of have to look over your shoulder and be like, yo, what the hell, man? Like, I was just recognized last year as one of the best. I, we got a new client and they said, you know, they pretty much did business with us because I was amazing, blah, blah, blah. And now you're doing this. So like, say what you will about Aaron Rodgers. I understand he's not the, doesn't have the best public image because people like to twist what he says, but I've been just looking at it without, I guess, media kind of changing or twisting his words. I just, I'm like, all right, well, yeah, if I am Rodgers, I'm salty too. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And now people are saying, oh, he's just saying this because Rodgers is a dick. Thank God for Pat McAfee for softening his image and doing his whole PR. So I was like, no, I think Aaron Rodgers has just been misunderstood his entire career. And I just feel like this is just another iteration where people are trying to twist what he's saying. But I really think similar to what you're feeling now. I think it's Green Bay or bust, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think, it, I mean, for all we know, I think that um, he has very strong convictions Uh, and you can tell by the fact that he just like, doesn't talk to his family anymore. Um, I mean, his family was
0: straight up toxic and cancer. I feel that dude. I don't talk to my family anymore (laughs) for the same reasons. Like if I became a superstar quarterback and my family is super toxic and taking advantage of the fact that I was a successful person, like, I'd be like, nah, fuck you guys. I'm done.
1: Yeah. But at the same time um, it's, you know, it takes a certain kind of person like, not not everyone like a lot of people will just like put up with that shit, you know? And like so you're you saying and him Aaron Rodgers and boat? I
0: are cut from the same cloth. Like I'm essentially Aaron Rodgers. Nice. If you were
1: if you were like a foot taller and you could have maybe been a quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> uh,
0: that's very generous for you to say, but that's absolutely not true. But hey, hold on, let's keep on pushing through. Let's talk about the main course. What we're gonna be talking today is the rookie draft that's come and gone. We've got to see the depth chart, we got to see OTA star, people building hype because. People are completing passes against air. Running backs are showing off their quads. Everyone is drinking the Kool-Aid. So we are going to be talking about the winners and losers. And what I mean by that is specifically the rookies, where they landed. Who do we view as the winners and losers? So let's just kick this off. Rookie quarterback winners, Darren. Who was a big winner?
1: Um, For me, I thought it was Trey Lance. Um,
0: 100%.
1: I think that so when when we had our rookie draft that passed, uh, what was it, two weeks ago now? Um when Mike, uh self-proclaimed 49ers fan, passed on Trey Lance, I was like, whoa, <laughs> whoa. Um I just I was dumbfounded. I was like, that that could not have just happened. Um so you have a quarterback. Like this is like if we had if if we were the Eagles and we had an offensive guru as a head coach, we had George Kittle, um uh, Brennan Ayuk. Debo samuel and a coach that can scheme up a run game with like dudes off the street
0: incredible defense and
1: And you pass on that guy like i me being an eagles fan if that was me in that situation there's absolutely no scenario where i'm passing on that quarterback um but he did and i just think that trey lance of all the quarterbacks he's set up for success more than anything because you can say like hey like He didn't really play in college. Like he was very had limited action. He only really played one full season at a Division two school. But they have Jimmy Garoppolo. And say what you will about Jimmy Garoppolo, he can play enough that Trey Lance doesn't have to play right away. Like he might. Trey Lance might play game one because that's just how top picks are nowadays. But he doesn't have to. Like if Kyle Shanahan thinks like, hey, we're gonna have this guy sit on the bench. Like he can sit on the bench for a whole season if he really needs to. Like their team was good. Like. I just, I just don't, I don't understand passing on Trey Lance because I think the the type of quarterback he is, he probably had the strongest arm in the draft. Um, He might have been the most athletic quarterback in the draft. Like him and Justin Fields are right on Uh, par with each other. Have you seen McCorkle,
0: bro? When he got drafted, he was sprinting down that hallway, man. (laughs) His strides, dude. I can't make that stride. I'd pull my uh, Achilles or something trying to pull that off
1: walking down the hallway like a radio shack manager. <laughs> he um <laughs> he um I don't know. I just think he's set up for success in a big way. And I mean it's it's very possible that he could be a bust, but like if it's not for a lack of situation that he's gonna be a bus because he has an amazing situation at his feet.
0: Absolutely. And no, you're absolutely right. When we were first thinking about quarterback winners and losers, he's the first person that came to my head because you know how I feel about Trey Lance. I don't think he's great, but I, I don't think he's the worst either. But if it was on that, if those are the two, only two answers I could give, he's great or he's terrible, I'd lean more towards the he's terrible side. So for me, I was really interested to see where Trey Lance was going to go because there was a very, very select few teams where he would go where I would think, okay, he's got a shot. He's going to reach that ceiling everyone wants. And that list is very short, and it starts and ends with the 49ers. Shanahan, super great offensive mastermind. Uh, the nicest thing I could say about Jimmy Garoppolo is he's a shittier version of Kirk Cousins. Um, and that's, that's a nice thing. Kirk Cousins is pretty decent and yeah. they went all the way to the super Bowl, making him look pretty solid uh, even through the limitations that Jimmy G brings. And now you get Trey lands and he gets a sit a whole year, or even if you want to start him right away, I trust Shanahan to do the right thing. So he's absolute slam dunk. I don't think he could have landed in any better situation. Like, he's a huge, huge winner. Uh, for me, I know I kind of memed a little bit, but I think it is uh, McCorkle. I think, I know a lot of people are saying, oh, he might go to the 49ers. Yeah, that would have been fantastic. But even if he did it, a lot of people were starting to say, well, if the Niners pass on him, we could totally see Mac Jones dropping all the way to the 20s because people might not want him. Um, then he kind of fell to New England's lap. And a lot of people thought, well, if New England was to get him, they would have to trade up. Well, they didn't need to that could be an indictment of Mac Jones and what other teams feel about his abilities. But you know how I feel about Mac Jones. I don't think he's like a world beater. I don't think he's the greatest quarterback ever, but I'm very confused on why people thought Tua Tagovailoa was a world beater and can take on the whole world. And in my opinion, Mac Jones is better than Tua. Uh, I understand his style of play might not be as exciting to watch, but Tom Brady isn't exciting to watch for me at all. I know I complain about this all the time. He's the best ever. I can't deny that. But watching him plays like watching paint dry for me. And Mac Jones, I feel like he could reach his full potential in a system that made Tom Brady into what Tom Brady is. I'm not saying Tom Brady's assistant quarterback, but sure it didn't hurt that he was on the Patriots to kind of help him, you know, see everything that he did. So I think Mac Jones is a huge, huge winner because, you know, Cam Newton, we all saw what he did last year wasn't the greatest. So even can't can't, do can't have the longest leash and they took Mac Jones in the first round. So he definitely will have his shot and I think he will absolutely deliver because he's just the type of quarterback that would fit well in the system and scheme that uh, McDaniels likes to run that Bill Belichick likes to have and things like that. So that's going to be pretty exciting for me. Uh, what do you think about that there?
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that, um, for Mac Jones, like, I, I know that you, you've been a big fan forever. I remember when we were talking about it, um, Probably six months ago, I guess you were hoping that you were going to get Mac Jones with your second round pick. Yeah, and I, I was like, you know, it's possible, like he might be there, like because you were, we were right, thinking though. at that point. You were
0: right. It was, <laughs> it was still even possible, even after people caught on to the hype. He still started to fall a little bit, and I'm sure you know. I was very aggressively trying to trade up into the mm-hmm. first round, and I got so close with Max. And in my head, I needed to fire off a trade with Max before Mike jumped in, because I know Mike wanted to jump in for Devonta Smith. And my only hope was Max had to accept my trade before Mike had an opportunity to put his hat into the ring. And as soon as I heard Mike say, okay, I'm done grocery shopping or whatever or something like that. All right, uh, Max, let me uh, shoot you DM. And I was like, oh, well, it's all over. I was this close. And uh, I really actually wanted Devonta Smith. That's who I really, really wanted. Uh, but if for any reason uh, he continued to fall, then I did want to get Mac Jones, of course, but then it, it just didn't fall. But I am a big fan of Mac Jones. I think that's a huge, huge winner. But now let's talk about loser real quick. Who is a quarterback loser?
1: Um, so I, I want to preface this. We were talking about this before. Um, I Of the top five quarterbacks, I don't think any of them were really like losers. Um, they all landed in relatively good spots. Um, but the one that I put for here is Justin Fields. Um I think Justin Fields is awesome. I think he's better than Trey Lance, better than Mac Jones, better than Zach Wilson. But um, he landed with the Bears. And the Bears have Allen Robinson and Cole Komet and David Montgomery. And their offensive line is not the best. Uh, Matt Nagy is not the best. Ryan Pace isn't the best. Excuse me. So.
0: (laughs) He won coach of the year, sir.
1: Did he really? And then Ryan Pace won executive of the year, too. He sure did. Um, so, but, but they're on their, their last like thread here. So if they're bad, they're, Matt Aggie's going to get fired. Ryan Pace is going to get fired and they're going to bring in a whole new coaching staff who might not think as highly of Justin Fields as the previous staff before them. So we saw this, like we see this all the time with like new quarterbacks when they have a new coaching staff that comes in and they kind of just like, like Sam Darnold and stuff like that. They get kind of um, slighted from the get-go. So that would be like my only concern for Justin Fields is if Matt Nagy still stinks. Um, that w- that would concern me. But I mean, other than that, like he'll probably be fine. Like Allen Robinson might leave because Allen Robinson hates the Bears front office, so he might leave after this year. But um, if they just get a new receiver there, like he'll probably he'll be okay. Um, but it's just it's just a matter of if they can keep that cohesiveness with the staff. That's the only concern I have with them.
0: Yeah, I definitely understand the concerns. I feel like Justin Fields could be in a better situation, but for me, I feel like he's going to be one of the type of guys that is super successful, even though his surroundings might not be good. What it kind of reminds me of, and this yeah. might be a horrible comparison, is you know I'm a big Lamar Jackson fan, but I feel like Lamar Jackson is handicapped or neutered with uh, Roman's offense. I yeah. like When I watch, I'm like, wow, this scheme could be so much better, and I could see how much better Lamar can be, but he's just not. And so with Justin Fields, even if Nagy and everyone gets fired, I feel like what we're going to see is lightning in a bottle. We're going to be like, oh, my God, Fields is so good. His potential is there. He's making plays that have nothing. This is the guy. But – the coaching staff just isn't able to support him as well, so I, I I just think that highlight of Justin Fields, even if they were to get fired, they'll come in and be like, oh my, they pretty much take the job because they have the opportunity to do something with Fields on a rookie contract, if that makes sense, rather than coming in saying, ah, uh, let's reassess every single position because they still feel like Fields will be one of the guys. Be like, all right, no, he's he's definitely fine, but you're absolutely correct. A new regime can come in. and and I don't want to turn this into a racing, but be like, oh, yeah, I don't believe in black quarterbacks. Uh, let's go find a real quarterback now. Like that's in the realm of possibility because the NFL is run by dinosaurs. But yeah. uh, kind of like you mentioned, there aren't real losers, uh, but we still want to put people down here. For me, I feel like it has to be Zach Wilson. I am not a fan of pretty much the best quarterback New York Jets ever had after what, Joe Namath? Was it Sanchez? No, no, no. Pennington. No. I don't even yeah, know. Yeah,
1: Pennington, Pennington was probably a little bit better than Sanchez, but yeah. Sanchez went to two AFC championship games. So. But it wasn't
0: due to like his stats. It was just that great defense. No, the defense, was, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Pennington. So, the, so I feel like yeah, with <laughs> similar to Justin Fields, these two franchises don't have a history of good quarterback play. You could say whatever you want about it. Maybe it was just different eras or you can't compare that, but I'm just stating facts. They don't have a rich history of solid quarterback play, even though they're one of the most historic and rich with history franchises. I worded that terribly, but I think it definitely has to be Zach Wilson because it's great that he was taken to overall. That means he's going to get every opportunity in the world, but what if that opportunity just sucks? And I know Gase isn't in New York anymore. So he's set up a little bit better. There is hope for me with the jets because there are a lot of like single players I like, but then when I look at the jets as a whole, I don't like it. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Um, I agree. It's, I don't know. I I mean, I think that they're trying. And now that Adam Gase is gone, it's optimistic for the Jets, but they're still the Jets, you know?
0: One thing I wanted to add in was they're also in a pretty tough division. I mean, say what you will about Miami, but their defense is pretty stout. Like they have a pretty stingy defense. Then I don't even have to mention the bills. The bills are one of the best teams, in the NFL period. And you have to play them twice a year. And then everyone knows what Bill Belichick does to young quarterbacks. He just like, he like mentally breaks them because he understands the limitations that come with a rookie quarterback slash young quarterback. So if you have to go against your division, that's not looking too good chief. And I wasn't super high on Zach Wilson to begin with. He is very fun to watch. So I'm very interested to see how he progresses. And one thing I want people that are listening to know is there's nothing more. I like to be than wrong. I I want to be wrong about, I want every player that we talk about to be good but I just wasn't sold on Zach Wilson, but I'll be very happy. Like with Herbert, I was so wrong with Herbert, but that makes me happy. I'm not like, oh, damn it, he's a fraud. I'm like, yo, he's so much fun to watch. This is awesome. So I'm hoping Zach Wilson can prove me wrong, but just kind of the division that he's in, the team that he's on, and just kind of everything that surrounds Zach Wilson. Yes, he's going to get all the opportunity, but uh, we'll, we'll see what kind of happens there. But let's try to make things a little bit more optimistic over here. Let's look over at the running backs that were selected it wasn't a very deep class this year but who are some uh, winners
1: um so I said I had two um I I know that you you said I was going to be greedy putting two but I put Trey Sermon and Najee Harris um Trey Sermon was like a third round pick so he's slower down like obviously Najee Harris is going to be utilized a lot like he's going to the Pittsburgh Steelers I just feel like he's like the perfect running back for the Steelers, like he's what they've been looking for mm-hmm. since Le'Veon Bell left. Um, they probably just should have ponied up a little bit more money and signed Le'Veon Bell because maybe they would have got a Super Bowl before Ben's arm kind of fell apart. But um
0: that's, but Le'Veon that's Bell also for fell off a cliff immediately. He did,
1: but I think that was because he took that year off. I, I think yeah. that year off kind of crushed him. Yeah. um which which is kind of weird because you would think that it would give him like rest and stuff but just like not playing just like destroyed him.
0: Yeah, um, I agree.
1: And then maybe like the less less obvious here's Trey Sermon. Like he he went to like the perfect system because they ran that system at Ohio State and they're running the same system in uh, San Francisco. Um, he's not like the craziest athlete or anything like that. Like he's he's good but not great. But he fits that system perfectly. And next year they only have him and the other rookie they drafted, Elijah Mitchell, under contract. So he could be like a big in for it for like a big way unless, cause like they don't really have any draft picks anymore, you know, cause they traded them all to get Trey Lance. So yeah. it's not like they're going to draft a running back to supplant him. It's going to be Trey Sermon unless they sign a free agent.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Najee Harris doesn't really need much of a background. I mean, I feel like every single first-round running back is an automatic winner just because of the amount of capital used, unless your name is Rashad Penny. But besides that, if you're a first-round running back, that's a pretty big win because that's a team saying, we could have waited, but we wanted you this badly. And so I think that's a huge, huge win. He's going to get every opportunity and he's just a phenomenal running back. So I'm really excited to see how he does in Pittsburgh. And like you said, Trey Sermon, he is one of the guys that I feel like a lot of people are a lot lower on him than I initially thought I had him ranked pretty highly coming out of college. I understand he had a late breakout age. He couldn't really win the job anywhere. And then he broke out super, super late uh, in Ohio state, pretty much like the back half of the year. Actually I'm going to be more honest, like the last three, four games in the seasons, when he really started to do his work. But to me, Kind of like what you mentioned, he's going to the perfect system once again. I am obscenely having Raheem Mostert only because he's on my team, but I'm not dumb. Like, Raheem Mostert is, what, 28, 29? 29. And at most, he plays, like, seven games? Uh, And then maybe he'll play more, like, eight or nine, but he's limping for two or three of those games. That doesn't really count. So if Trey Sermon gets a chance... Um, Yeah, I think Shanahan's going to very much like what he sees. And he's going to be like, you know what, Raheem? Uh, Maybe you just now become a third down back. Like, maybe we don't really need you that much, which is my biggest fear. And so when the Niners took Trey Sermon, I was really upset because I really like him and I really like the fit. So I think that's a huge, huge win. But because you took two, that left me kind of scrambling. And I feel like, you know, Michael Carter, another winner. For me with running backs, I view it as if you get opportunity – That's good. (laughs) And being on the New York Jets, I don't think he has that much competition. Of course, there's a handful of random backs that are there that I kind of forgot about. I was like, oh, wait, this person's on this team now? But regardless of who is in the backfield with Carter, although it might be a little bit crowded, I think he maybe it's because I'm looking at a rookie with rose tinted glasses. I see potential. I see, um, you know, why not give him a chance kind of thing. So whenever I see Michael Carter, I see opportunity. And when I saw him and was scouting him throughout the whole draft process, I kind of said, uh, he's okay. He, he could be pretty good as long as he gets an opportunity. But I feel like whatever team takes him is going to be super crowded. And then when he landed on the Jets, I was like, oh, okay. Like you have a shot now. Uh, and that's no indictment against Carter. I think he's great. And so me kind of saying, oh, you're only going to be because of opportunity. No, maybe he could have, you know, become a big running back in other ways, but I feel like this path is pretty solid for him. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think that he is – so I was kind of hoping that um, – like I, I like Chuba Hubbard, as you know. Um, I was kind of hoping that – because it's they're trying to make um, – San Francisco East in New York. <laughs> so I thought that Chuba Hubbard, being that Chuba Hubbard is like a It'd Tevin Coleman clone, he he would be like he would be the Jets running back. I don't know. Um, but Michael Carter fits just as well because Michael Carter, his like highest peak projection is Devonta Freeman. And Devonta Freeman played with Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta and he was awesome there. So if Michael Carter can reach his ceiling, he could be Devonta Freeman in New York which would be awesome. I'm not saying that's going to happen because Devonta Freeman's kind of an outlier. And Mike likes to say like, Oh, the outliers are the only good players, but like it doesn't, they're still outliers.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I agree. And actually let's kind of talk about Chuba a little bit. Let's kind of transition over to some running back losers. I have a feeling that Chuba might appear on your list here, huh?
1: Yeah. So I said that he was a loser because not, not really because of his landing spot, but more so because uh, he went back to school. Um, Big
0: so, loser, uh, dude.
1: He um, would have been, I don't know, second, third at worst, probably third at worst pick last year if he left in the draft last year. Um, this year he was a fourth-round pick, and he is Christian McCaffrey's backup. So it's not like the worst landing spot because we, we saw what Mike Davis did last year with that opportunity. So if McCaffrey got hurt again um, – Chuba would probably be pretty good for the Panthers. But at the same time, if he left and he went back to school or didn't go back to school last year, he'd probably be a starting running back right now. So, Um, hold
0: on. Let's talk about this theme right now. So, Chuba could have been drafted a lot higher if he just chose not to go back to school. Um, I'm going to take a wild stab in the dark and say you have another running back here who kind of did the same exact thing, huh?
1: (laughs) It is the exact same thing. So, um, I have Travis Etienne who if he left in the draft last year, say there, there was one first round running back draft of last year, it was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, I got to think that Travis Etienne fits that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire role better than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, so <laughs> Travis Etienne could be on the Chiefs right now, instead of being on the Jaguars, and freaking Urban Myers stupid ass wants to use him like Percy Harvin. So he could be in the best potential landing spot in the league, but instead he's on the Jaguars. So um if it probably would have been beneficial for him if he didn't go back to school but it is what it is he was still first round pick
0: yeah if there are any running backs right now who is thinking about going back to school as a college prospect into the nfl you just show him what happened to chuba you show him what happened to bryce love and say no this is why you don't do that i understand you love your school but uh Go get that bag right now, dude. We're not letting you stay. But I absolutely agree. I think both of them are really, really good candidates. One of the candidates I felt pretty passionate about was also Kenny Gainwell. I like Kenny Gainwell a lot. And I still like him, obviously, as a prospect a lot. And I just thought to myself, as long as he goes to the right team, he might be able to do something. He might actually be a little, like maybe a flex sometimes kind of thing. Uh, and then he got drafted by the Eagles. And then I faded him immediately and said, all right, well, that was that was a fun fantasy I had for those two weeks before he got drafted and that's not an indictment. Once again, that's like my favorite word for this episode right now as an indictment against Kenny Gainwell. It's more of the fact that, um, yeah, the Eagles aren't going to utilize him correctly. Uh, maybe if, you know, we utilize how we kind of use Darren Sproles and stuff like that would work, but it's a completely different coaching staff. It's completely different everything. So I just wish that he kind of went to a team that had a little bit more or a little less of a crowd of running back space. It's just, I really enjoyed everything I've seen with Kenny Gaywell on his tape. And then, like I said, headed to the Eagles and it might be the pessimism in me to be like, Oh, well that sucks. I'm glad he's on the team, but okay. It's, it's over now. What do you think?
1: Yeah. Uh, I think just judging by the fact that he was a fifth round pick, it's, that's pretty much, it is what it is. Like it's the guys that are drafted. I don't know what it is, but like, I think it's like 80, of top 12 running backs are drafted in the first three rounds.
0: Oh yeah. Draft Um, capital when it comes, when it ties to the running back position is probably the most important out of most other positions minus maybe quarterback.
1: And everybody's looking for like the, the next James Robinson, like there's not going to be another James Robinson. The last time we had a James Robinson was Arian Foster. And that was like 10 years ago. So we get one of those guys like every 10 years, like it's not, there's not going to be another one every year. Like it's just not going to happen.
0: That's not going to stop teams from trying just like how every team is now trying to find the next Josh Allen, because you know, that happens well every single year. Apparently it just doesn't, I don't understand what GMs do. They kind of fall into these things, but Hey, let's get positive again. Let's kind of talk about the final categories. Let's talk about the winners and losers for the wide receivers. Who are some of your winners?
1: Um, So I have, Paris Marshall and Rondell Moore. Um, I initially, uh, when the draft first happened, uh, I wasn't the biggest fan of kind of like any of the spots. Um, I thought that they were all kind of like mediocre, but none of them were like absolutely terrible. But the more that I thought about it, I was like, you know, um, the Rondell Moore spot's pretty good because they tried to do this with Andy Isabella and Andy Isabella kind of flamed out. So maybe mm-hmm. Rondell Moore will actually hit this time because they obviously want someone that fits that prototype. Um, so maybe now Rondell, and Rondell Moore, Moore is a much
0: better player overall than Andy Isabella ever yeah, was.
1: Yeah. So maybe he hits that ceiling that they were hoping Andy Isabella would. And Terrace Marshall, if Sam, Darn- Sam Darnold's good, Terrace Marshall is going to be good because He's gonna most likely take over for Robbie Anderson next year. Like Robbie Anderson's gonna be gone. It's gonna be just Terrace Marshall and uh, TJ Moore. So he's set up pretty good as long as Sam Darnold's good. And if he's not, they'll probably have a new quarterback there next year who's gonna be better than Sam Darnold. So um, those are the two landing spots I, I like the boat the most.
0: Yeah, very similar to how I felt about some of the players that we talked about before and saying, oh, landing spot would have been huge, kind of like with Trey Lance landing in the perfect spot. I think Rondale Moore landed in the perfect spot because I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is... As great as I thought he was going to be, at least just offensively. I thought as an overall coach, he was going to struggle. And I guess you can say he's kind of struggling even with the loaded team that he has. But I know he's going to try to do whatever he wanted to do, Andy Isabella, with Rondale Moore, because like we kind of mentioned before, he's a better overall prospect. I love Terrace Marshall. I've liked him a lot as a prospect, but that's kind of due to a little bit of that LSU bias that I have because he was on that same team with, uh, Uh, Burrow that that um, team was just unbelievable. So I feel like the landing spot for him there also agree. He's definitely going to get his opportunity and things like that. And he is uh, just a physical specimen. So he's unlike most of the other offensive weapons that Carolina currently has. So it's going to be a lot of fun to kind of slowly see him develop. And for me, speaking of LSU. It's really hard not to say Jamar Chase, and the reason I want to say is, and it's kind of a cop out, right? Oh wow, okay, you are saying the number one wide receiver that was picked in the top five or whatever wherever he was picked is going to be a winner. Great, great insight, Tommy. All right, next. No, it's more of the fact that he had such a phenomenal sophomore season. Like he was literally the best wide receiver in the entire country his sophomore year. That junior year when COVID came, he's like, nah, I don't feel like playing. And this is after he broke all those records. And I was like, yeah, why does he ever need to play? And so it's kind of cool that with that same quarterback where he was breaking all these records, he gets to play with that same quarterback again. But now in the NFL, not just that, you also have to think of the ego that kind of goes into this Jamar Chase pick. It was huge. It was either Panay to protect Joe Burrow in his knee, or should we take Jamar Chase? Because why not? I feel like because they chose Jamar Chase, they almost have to feed him. They, they have to mm-hmm. show that they made the right decision. Even if it is or was not, it doesn't matter because they're going to make it the right decision. So I'm pretty sure right now they're all saying over to Zach Taylor, getting a couple calls from the front office, be like, I don't care what your offensive game plan is, but make sure Jamar Chase is targeted like 13 times a game. Like he, he cannot be targeted less than that. We got to make him good. So I feel like that's a huge winner because Jamar Chase, when he was with Burrow was phenomenal. I was looking back at the tape again, which is, Not really that fair because it's two years old because obviously he didn't play since his sophomore year. But what I saw there was everything I need to see. Just that chemistry that everyone keeps talking about, but just the way that Burrow trusts him to win the one-on-ones. And yes, the tape was old, but Jamar Chase was flaming like NFL-caliber cornerbacks right there. And I'm forgetting the names of some of the cornerbacks that. Uh, Jamar Chase destroyed his sophomore year, but they were cornerbacks are taking the first round that same draft class. So he was destroying just everyone. And so you can't say he's not a winner, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think he's going to be awesome. Um, The only reason why I, because I, I put these names before you put yours. The only reason why I didn't pick him is because of T Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Um, And just the way that Joe Burrow plays. Um, I think he kind of like evenly distributes the ball. So, He's right now being in like dynasty startup. He's being drafted as like borderline top 10. And I definitely don't think he's going to be that good in his rookie year. Like there's absolutely no way I see him being a top 10 wide receiver. Um, And, and for all we know, maybe T Higgins gets slightly more volume because he played with Joe Burrow in the NFL for that past year. He only really played with Jamar Chase for one year, you know? Um, So for all we know, he could be the one B to the one a, like, I'm not saying he's not going to get volume. He's going to get a lot of volume, but um, he might not get enough volume to be that wide receiver one in like fantasy respect, like a top 12 wide receiver, like he'll probably be close-ish to it, but you, I I don't think at this point you can guarantee like he's going to be that great, but it's not a, it's definitely a good landing spot. Like I, I think landing with Joe Burrow in that offense, um, as long as Zach Taylor is a little bit better as a coach. Um, Going to be a good landing spot, I
0: think. One last thing I want to add into that before we go over to the losers is while I 100% agree with you, I feel like it's unfair to penalize Jamar Chase because his ADP is so high. Like, what? Just because he's going top ten, which I don't agree with, doesn't mean like, oh yeah, so that's why he's not a winner. That doesn't make sense. The reason he's going top ten is because people view him as a winner. And another thing is, I completely agree that Joe Burrow likes to spread it around. But I mean, if Kirk Cousins can support two top. 12 essentially top 12 wide receivers i think burrow can especially with the pure amount of passing volume that he was doing which i definitely think is going to definitely regress Uh, burrow isn't going to be slinging the ball like 35 to 40 times a game like he was his rookie year before he died but i think burrow is still good enough to be able to do that and i absolutely agree i feel like a lot of people are fading t higgins and this isn't just because i have t higgins on my team but when Higgins was playing, even without Burrow, he was pretty darn good. And I feel like Jamar Chase could do the same thing. He doesn't need Burrow to be good, but the fact that they're together, I mean, that's kind of, that's awesome. And so with that being said, let's head over to the losers. Who are some wide receiver losers that you saw?
1: Um, So for this, I put Rashad Bateman and Yami Brown. Um, Now, I don't think either of these spots are like, as terrible, like because there people are like ripping Rashad Bateman's landing spot to shreds because like Lamar Jackson can't throw and they don't throw and all all this crap. Um Lamar Jackson threw 36 touchdowns two years ago. So um it's not the best landing spot. Like it's not like the landing spot if he went to Green Bay or something like that, but it's not, I don't think it's that bad. Like he's the best receiver on the team now. Um, aside from Mark Andrews, I guess, if you consider him a receiver. Um,
0: He's better than Mark Andrews.
1: You think? I don't I don't know. I think Mark Andrews is really good. But I think Mark Mark Andrews is
0: fine. But if it was like for me personally, if I want to design like a passing offense, I think Mark Andrews is fantastic. But he also got a whole ton of volume because he was playing on a team with like Willie Sneed and stuff. So who else is gonna get the ball? So but for me, I think Bateman out of everything I saw, I'm like, oh, this should be awesome. But no, continue.
1: Um but I I just don't think it's as bad of a spot as everyone's making it out to be like, it's not, it's not the best spot because they don't have the volume, but like who's to say that they won't pass slightly more than they did last year. Um, I, I just think that if, if I could have a receiver, which which I do now because I drafted him, but um, if I could have a guy that had a quarterback who's 20, what is he 25 and he threw 36 touchdowns two years ago. Um, what does he need to get like eight of those touchdowns to be a top 24 wide receiver? Like he, it's not terrible, um, but it's definitely one of the worst landing spots, I guess, for the top prospects. And the other one I had is Diami Brown. Um, I really like Diami Brown, uh, I think he's awesome, I think he's really good. But he landed in Washington, and they already have Terry McLaren and they signed Curtis Samuel to a big deal. So,
0: and you can't forget about best, he's uh, Max's be... favorite player of all times, Logan Thomas. Uh, yes, so Logan Thomas, player. Yeah. yeah, how dare you? Yeah,
1: Logan Thomas. Okay, Logan Thomas. Yeah, sure, sure. He's okay. <laughs> um but like they Terry McLaren's going to be the, the target hog and 25-30% of the targets Curtis Samuel they signed him to a big deal for a reason he's probably going to be the number two target and then I guess you could say Logan Thomas is the third target Um, and then DME Brown all he is is the field stretcher that gets uh, I don't know like he's like he's like Michael Gallup in this offense you know who Michael Gallup's kind of like an off- afterthought now so that's not great for fantasy so as good as I think he is, like, he's probably not going to really do much.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with everything that you said. Uh, it's hard because I feel like people are being a little too harsh about Rashad Bateman. I've learned my lesson with the whole A.J. Brown thing going to Tennessee. But in my defense, it was Mariota who was the quarterback when this all happened. And I stand firmly that if Mariota was still the quarterback there, not Ryan Tannehill, Brown would definitely still be good. Don't get me wrong, but he would still be a little bit way more limited than he is now, obviously. But uh, I've learned my lesson. So I am not fading Rashad Bateman because I did like him a lot coming out. And the only reason I started to drop him is because he went to Baltimore, but I'm catching myself now. I'm like, Nope, Nope, not letting that happen. I'm still gonna, I'm gonna drop him a little bit, but not as, as drastic as pretty much everyone else is. But one of the big wide receiver losers for me is Dwayne Eskridge, which is kind of a surprise because he was taken a lot higher in the draft that, A lot of people may have thought, but the reason I have him as a loser is it just doesn't make sense to me. Pete Carroll comes out and says, I want to run the ball more. And then that's why him and Russell Wilson had a little bit of a rift. And then, you know, they must have made up, kissed, and held hands, and now they're all good again. But then they go out after re-signing Tyler Lockett and obviously having DK Metcalf there. Then they're like, all right, now let's get Dwayne Eskridge. And to put this into context, Seattle pretty much only had like three, four draft picks in that draft. And the first one that they used in the earliest one they had, they used on Dwayne Eskridge. And I'm like, what are you doing? You say you want to run it. Then you get a player like this who is explosive. But at best, he's what? The third, fourth target on that team, on a team that already wants to be a more run heavier approach, if you will. So I guess best case scenario is they kind of abandon the run and just let Russ cook again. And then what? Is Russ going to support three fantasy-dominant i just don't see it i understand russell wilson is a future hall of famer at least in my eyes right now but even when they're torching the world over with dk metcalf kind of going on fire Lockett doing great but lock even Lockett was really inconsistent it's really hard for me to have Dwayne eskridge in that picture what do you think
1: yeah i, I can't see him being super involved um there's already you you figured last year I don't I don't know the exact target percentages but it was basically just DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett were the only ones that were relevant in fantasy football. Um, they tried like to make like David Moore happen and like all these other random dudes as a wide receiver three. Yeah, Freddie Swain. So like Dwayne Estes might have like a game or two where he's good, but like you're not gonna really be able to start him, you know? Because you're yeah, never gonna like I'm never gonna put in my
0: flex happen. and be like I feel good about this. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you're just praying to God that he has a good game. And you put <laughs> Let it in this the be flex. the one
0: game where he catches like a 40-yard <laughs> bomb from Ross, please.
1: Yeah, because that's all it's going to be. Because they they're they're they want to run the most with Chris Carson, and then second they want to throw to DK Metcalf, and then Tyler Lockett. So it's it is what it is. Like he's gonna he's fast. Like he runs a four four and stuff, so he might get that 40-yard bomb one of yeah. these games. But you're never gonna know what's gonna happen.
0: Well, with all that being said, to wrap it all up, Dare, I just want to go off script real quick just so we get the more natural, and I'll answer the question a little bit too, but out of all the players that we spoke about, who is one player that we did not talk about that you feel is an absolute winner that you would really like on your team if you had that chance?
1: Um, that we didn't talk about. I, I, I like I like Elijah Moore. Um, I thought that when it was my pick and it was like 2.02 02, um I was either going to take Elijah Moore or Rashad Bateman there whoever was there I, I like Rashad Bateman like as a player I like him more but he had a worse landing spot I think um and Mike took Elijah Moore which I was kind of surprised about I thought he was going to go with Rashad Bateman but um I like, I like Elijah Moore. Like I think him and for some reason, I think that him and Zach Wilson are going to have this like connection and they're going to be like great. Oh, That's
0: 100% a real thing. Imagine Zach Wilson, who I'm sure you saw that hilarious video where he was like at the draft carpet with like all the other top round picks and he just looks so out of place and he's just kind of looking around so confused. And so I feel like when you're a rookie and you're coming all the way to New York, somewhere you're not familiar with, but now there's another rookie with you and his name is Elijah Moore. Of course, you guys are gonna have that kind of be like, "Hey, you're lost too." All right, let's you know, let's sit at the bus together. Let's talk about our colleges and just how lost we are. Oh, isn't this crazy? We're in the freaking NFL. That's nuts. So I feel like they're definitely gonna have more of this chemistry, and I really, really like Elijah Moore coming out as well. And I feel like something good could be cooking over there for him. Or I mean, they can because what? He, there's not much competition, right? I mean, Corey Davis is there, but he's proven that he couldn't be the number one kind of thing. But you know, he's definitely gotten better since, so maybe he can be, but I feel like Elijah Moore definitely has, uh, he can carve himself a role in that offense for sure. Uh, my biggest person that I want on my team, and I shamelessly have been saying this for a long time, is Zabonta is Smith. And Darren, I think I've been telling you about that. Normally when any player gets drafted, the Eagles, I kind of fade him because I'm like, ah, eh, they're not going to use him to the full potential, or they're just not good, they can't overcome whatever Philly has for me, I don't know. I, I might be drinking the Kool-Aid. You could say that I'm crazy, but I've loved the Vonda Smith a lot coming out. Then he went to the Eagles, and I was like, oh, I should fade him. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, no. Like, this is awesome. He's going to be so good. And so, that is who I was shamelessly trying to trade up for in the NFL draft. I, I think it was like a package with T. Higgins and stuff like that to try to seriously just package all that to trade just for devonta smith and so uh it ultimately didn't happen but that's how highly i think of him and so uh hats off to mike uh he in my opinion i feel like he definitely should have got at least one of the quarterbacks that we're discussing uh with his top couple of picks but hey i guess he traded up again and at first i was like maybe he's doing this for Mac Jones because he didn't take any quarterbacks there. I was, there was a little bit of hope, but then when he took Devonta to Smith, I was like, gosh, darn it. Now I'm like, it's one of the things where I know I'll never have him on my team ever. Like if he went to any other owner, I'd be like, all right, I- I'm willing to overpay a little bit, but with Mike, his his base offer. Like, all right, this is what I want from him, is already three times more than my overpay. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of like when i see a guy to go to your team too like i'm like yeah i'll probably never have him <laughs>
0: <laughs> well that was nice like any other player, i could fantasize about having on my team but uh yeah yeah i can't just like i kind of like cd lamb and i'm like oh man wait why don't i ever watch cd lamb highlights or get excited for him and i'm like oh yeah it's because darren has him and I'll, he'll never see my roster ever and that will never ever mm-hmm. happen but no so yeah. that, that that's cool but with that being said, I know we're kind of going along, so let's head over to the dessert, Darren. There were, of course, a lot of a lot of little changes. Uh, being post draft, it's slowly start to materialize a little bit more. I think we're just about around a hundred days until kickoff, so it's kind of uh, we're kind of seeing a clearer picture a little bit, but it's still a little muddy. But with that being said, post draft, who are your Super Bowl favorites?
1: I. Now, I don't remember what I said the first time. I don't know if you even wrote it down or anything. I think I might have said, like, the Packers and the Bills. Um Maybe. I, I don't remember. But I think now I think the Bucks and the Bills. Um, the Bucks brought back all 22 of their starters, plus Antonio Brown. Um, they won the Super Bowl in the COVID offseason. Like, I, I just don't – they're going to be in the playoffs and probably a high seed. Um, they got – A very good shot at running it back, I think. Um, And then the Bills, the Bills were close last year. And if Josh Allen can take yet another step, they're going to the Super Bowl. And I kind of, as much as I like Tom Brady, I kind of hope they win because I would love to see, like, the Buffalo fans, like, what they would do if they actually won a Super Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) They might burn down Buffalo, like, completely burn it to the ground, like, complete to ash. Like, it would be crazy.
0: Yeah, I can't think of a team that's been blue-balled more than Buffalo, as most of us already know. They, what, went to the Super Bowl three times in a row and then lost every single time. Like, that's, like, I, I, don't, I don't know if my heart is strong enough to be able to handle that. And also being known as one of the teams that have just never, like, how? How can you live with that? Like, that's unbelievable. So I am definitely pushing for that, and that's something that I feel like isn't crazy hot taken. I don't think what I'm about to have is my Super Bowl picks are that crazy either. I have, of course, Kansas City, a little bias come in, and one of my favorite teams, and I feel like, I feel like they got to be kind of hungry. They they were a really good team last year, but then their offensive line got decimated and then they got embarrassed in the Super Bowl. And I just will not bet against Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I'm a wise person. And so, yeah, that's why I'm not going to bet against them. And overall, I think their team has been getting better and better. With that being said, I think, I guess in the NFC, it might be the LA Rams. I mean, their defense is stout, super good, of course. But then their offense, I mean, they went all the way to the Super Bowl with Golf but now they have Stafford. And in my opinion, I feel like McVay has kind of been fading a little bit. Like back in the day, if you, if like you sat in the same seat that Sean McVay farted on, you would get like a job interview for, for some type of NFL team. And then now it's all about Shanahan. I feel like McVay is kind of, you know, has a little bit of ego in it. he's like, all right, all right, fine. Yeah. He's probably like, all right, you, you guys keep talking about Shanahan. I'm about to get Stafford and I'm going to unlock my offense. Like, golf was holding me back. And now that I have Stafford, you're ready to see the McVay offense again. And with cam Akers there, they obviously have cup and woods and I feel, and of course the defense, of course, being good, definitely helps out a lot. So for me, I think LA Rams should take that next step. And if they do, they're going to be a really, really hard team to beat and you know Aaron Donald's only getting older I think he just celebrated his 30th birthday not too long ago so he's got to be as hungry as ever so I feel like this team is full of a lot of great players and McVay definitely has to it sounds weird but I feel like he has to have a little bit of a chip on the shoulder I feel like he has to be like all right well you guys neutered me with golf now that I have a quarterback I should go and I feel like that'd be a lot of fun to kind of see the Rams and uh Kansas City go at it
1: yeah I, I mean I think it would be awesome to too. You know, I'm I'm all for both of these matchups. I think either way we would have a good game.
0: Well, one last question I want to ask. If Bucks played the Bills and Brady wins again, he repeats. Now does he retire?
1: He's got it, right? I mean, if he if he wins eight Super Bowls and he wins back-to-back Super Bowls, <laughs> I mean, maybe I don't know, maybe he's cuz he originally he said he wanted to play till 45, which would put him at 45 winning back-to-back Super Bowls with a new team he solidifies the fact that it was him and not bill belichick that was the reason for the that would be
0: ultimate mic drop right like you know how i'm a bigger Peyton manning fan i can't say Peyton's better than like i can't like i still feel like it could be true but i look like a fool if i were to say that if tom brady comes down to tampa first two years there he wins back-to-back super bowl and says all right i'm gonna retire now because uh yeah i'm that good
1: yeah i proved everything that i had to prove i proved that i am the reason that the patriots were so good for 20 years and that's it i'm gonna retire now and hang out with my model wife
0: yep i feel like he would have to so i feel like in a way if that were to happen it's a win-win for me the bills get to win their first super bowl and then uh, buffalo just disappears from the map and uh the buccaneers win and tom breeder retires so it's a win-win for me either way and Or Kansas City, LA Rams, of course, I'd be pushing for KC. So there's only one outcome I want there. So yeah, I feel that'd be pretty dope and stuff like that. But overall, Darren, we finally got a podcast uh, done. I know it's been a little while, but I know we have a lot of different topics that we're going to bring up. I am going to be releasing a poll soon for everyone to kind of submit their power rankings. I still got to make those little graphics for people's drafts and stuff, but We have some projects that are going to be coming out. So don't you worry, but did you have any final words or anything before we officially put a close to this episode?
1: No, I'm just like to see where um, everyone's teams get ranked because I always look forward to that, like seeing where, where everyone kind of falls out. I'm sure that you and Max will be towards the top unless Jensen pulls some kind of weird, like uh, covert operation again. Just
0: know that if that were to happen, you guys are doing nothing but hurting yourselves because this all (laughs) is meant to just try to put a guess. And I remember last time we did, we kind of did an episode where we looked back at the power rankings and then kind of measured up. So we're going to be doing the same thing. So if there is going to be some kind of thing to be like, oh, let's do this and that. Just remember last time I got pissed off at the PDL. I, I went nuclear and traded like eight different times. And I was like, yeah, fuck you guys. So I am hoping someone does something to get me upset, to get me really focused in the PDL again, because I feel like I had been a little more distant. And so maybe if someone reignites that fire, whew, maybe I could run it back and then I would have to tear it down because my window is uh, very small. But I would say that it's pretty open right now.
1: Yeah, I, I think you've got one of the three best shots to, to win it. So, But there's a strong we'll see gust how the of wind that close it. or or a torn acl (laughs) yo 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 wow why would
0: you say that man watch later tonight i'm gonna get some kind of message that burrow retore his acl or lamar jackson was doing something in practice that was stupid and then died and i'm gonna be like wow okay that's cool but yeah i'm excited that would
1: close that window
0: Oh, thanks, Darren. All right. Well, all right, guys. Thanks for listening. Well, fuck you, Darren. Nah, I think your team's gonna be rated a lot higher than you. Th- Actually, here, how about that's how we'll close out. Where do you think your team will land in the power rankings uh, when everyone gets to vote?
1: Um, I would, I would like. Do we have to say like the exact number, or do we have to say? Oh, uh, well, I'm not gonna be like. Range? Oh, I think
0: I'll land like five, six, seven, eight. Like around there, and I'll be like, oh, okay, yeah. So you just pick like what a quarter of the spots that you could have been in.
1: I would guess definitely top six, um,
0: Playoffs. maybe,
1: maybe, maybe four or five, like four at best, like at the very best, I would say four. Do you um,
0: think you'll solidify four if Watson is 100% like they just come out and be like, yeah, the NFL said they're not going to do anything with them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would think so. Because like, if I had, so Brady was what top seven last year and then oh, yeah. I have Watson. I mean, was the top back five, half so.
0: of the year, he was like the quarterback two or the quarterback one. Yeah. Like he was on an unbelievable pace.
1: Yeah, so I, I think I could be, I could get in that four spot if Watson is cleared and free.
0: All right, all like right, I I'm interested. Gonna I, I was going to say, I think you would, <laughs> I think you, uh, you would be right around that top five, maybe five, six area. So I'm excited to see how it kind of shakes up because I know last time we did this, we were kind of surprised at some of the results as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty much every time we are, every time we see it.
0: Well, I hope that people actually fill it out whenever I get it going, because I know last time we had to keep away. I was like, guys, we only have this many people that voted. Just go do it kind of thing. So I'm excited to kind of see how that shakes up. But I, one thing I'll definitely promise to do is when the NFL season starts that I will definitely be doing this power rankings. You guys to see how you rise and fall with little things typed up that I'm not convinced anyone reads, but It's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait for the PDL to start kicking off. And one last teaser I want to do, there is going to be a special podcast episode that we'll be releasing at some point. Uh, We're right now planning on Wento to uh, kind of record it, but it's going to involve some extra co-hosts. So I'm excited for that. But other than that, guys, take care. Excited to see some more activity in the PDL.
1: Thank you for tuning in to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed your meal. We'll catch you next time.